Detective Schaefer. Hey, Schaefer, it's Brennan. Where are you? I'm where you're supposed to be. Where are you? Hey, listen, I got a call from the chief the other night. He dropped some pretty heavy stuff on my plate. Well, on our plate. Some things I've never seen before. I've been looking into it, but I need your eyes on this. Well, I'm currently a little tied up, Brennan. I'm looking at a smile, but nobody here is laughing. And it's not a complete smile, I should say. What? Where are you? I told you, I'm where you're supposed to be. Check your messages. This is a strange one. My keys stick more than usual, but I managed to make it inside before this storm takes on another life. The weather around here has been so strange. El Nino is the name they're calling it. Some days the rain just doesn't stop. I slip inside the door, my poor aunt's package that I've left on my desk for days slipping from my fingers. I set it down on the counter. My life has turned into missed calls. I notice the red light blink on my home answering machine as I stay stood at the counter with my arms still wrapped around the wet box. I take a second to take a breath. My eyes moving around the still dark living room as I exhale. This place is looking dustier and dirtier than usual. The dim light doesn't help with the atmosphere. The rain pounding on my living room windows doesn't either. The slight whistle of the wind as the weather gets worse and worse. I move over to my answering machine where my eyes show my hate for this damn little red light. I've been avoiding this message and the inevitable conversation that goes with it. Hey Lisa, this is Dr. Soren. It's 3.30 and I'm in my office again. Please give me a call to reschedule. Like Morgan had brought up during our last conversation, as a practicing psychiatrist, I have my own, Dr. Soren. I have been seeing her for the 15 years since the start of my practice. Well, required since then. The truth is, I've been seeing her since, well, that's a story for another night. I haven't always practiced psychiatry, but she has been required ever since. My heart hurts because I don't normally do this. Curiosity won that battle when I met Morgan, and why didn't I call? Something about that kid. <laughs> Funny that I just called him a kid, even though he's an adult. Just something about him. Either way, I could be his mother. Dr. Soren as well, so I hope when I eventually have the guts to call her back, she'll understand. I do feel awful about leaving her waiting. Why didn't I call to cancel? I look up from the machine and can see myself in the reflection of the windows with the rain tapping back at me. The windows are almost floor to ceiling on the back side of my home. The hills filled with trees and darkness, so I can only see my reflected self lit by the dim table light looking back at me. I look disheveled. My hair once neatly made is now soaking and windswept. Like I've seen the rough cycle of a washing machine. I look past myself in the reflection to see my aunt's package. <sighs> Sorry, Aunt Shelley. Tonight is not a night for a trip down memory lane. Self-therapy is more like it. And sorry, Dr. Soren, 
I'm seeing someone else. As my 20-year-old patient, Allie, who I am seeing bright and early tomorrow, would say, It's been a day. It's been a day. Oh my god. Yeah, you thought I was joking. You know I'm not easily rattled, but when I saw this... Not to mention the reaction of the poor kid that found him like this. He's gonna need to see someone for a while. What do we know? Well, obviously with the state of the body, we got him working on an identity. And as you can see, looks as if some trophies were taken. Yeah, how'd you notice that so easily? Brennan, look at him. This man is prepared in such a way that it's very unique. Like you said, we've never seen a victim like this before. There's almost nothing to go on that points to any one person of interest. Besides the initial shock, the missing front tooth was obvious. Not certain if it's pre or post-mortem, though. These burn marks around the edge of the skin. To cauterize the bleeding, perhaps? Yeah, but it's so perfect. All the way around the sides of the face. Everything else left untouched? Yep. So either we have a sick but smart suspect running around, or facelifting has taken on a whole new meaning. I mean, I just don't understand him. He makes me move in with him. And then he tries to pull this on me? Allie, what did I say about eating during our sessions? Oh, right. I move around behind her, heading towards my chair opposite her. I wave a trash can in front of her. Sorry. I sit in the seat and sternfully give her that you should have known better look, both for eating in my office and the story she's about to spell out to me. So, please continue. Well, I just don't know what to do with him. It doesn't seem to be getting any easier at his job. And we both know. I can't handle this kind of neglect. You do have a history of violence with past relationships, yes. What can we do to make the outcome different this time? Is he willing to speak on this issue with you? Well, he did give me this. She pulls a necklace around the front of her, dangling it over her shirt. A small gold locket with a tattered gold chain. The locket itself, old and scratched. Beautiful. Definitely not from a local jewelry store. This necklace was his grandmother's. Here's her picture on the inside. See? She opens it and shows the grandmother opposite a grandfather in the faded photos inside the locket. He left their photos in it to show his timeless love for me. If his grandmother and grandfather can make it, so can we. Right? I shoot her a smirk that I can only describe as a smirk because, well, she does this a lot. See... Allie is more complicated than she seems. This sweet young face hides some stories. She's been in my care since her senior year of high school, where one night following a school dance, she trapped a cheating boyfriend in his car, along with his fling for the night, and tried to kill both of them by surrounding the car with gasoline and lighting it. Not killing, but badly burning them. Burns so he never forgets, is what she told me back then. Now her sweet little figure, beautiful face and hair, look back at me with the same smile. You don't think so, do you? 
She saw right through that smirk. Well, Allie, I must say, I think we've been here before with Cole. We know how he is. Didn't he give you a ring last month with the same promise? Spending more time outside of work? Coming home earlier in the evenings? Yeah, he did. I just don't know what to do. It's just such a beautiful day. My mind leaves the conversation in front of me and looks out the window to my left. I see how right Allie is. The sun is out for the first time in days. Its piercing rays shines in, glinting off of Allie's new, probably stolen family heirloom. I trick myself into remembering Morgan and his proposition, as if I hadn't been thinking about it all day. The sun is out for the first time in days, and the rose garden is where I'm headed. I was beginning to think you tricked me. I see Morgan. Sitting at a chess table amongst a bunch of flowers and plants on all sides. Roses surrounding him. This chessboard is strangely placed, but looks as if two sweet old men would get lost for hours playing here. But for now, it's just Morgan in this private area of the park. I like to stay off the beaten path, away from the people walking by. Hello, doctor. How are you? Thank you for meeting with me. My apologies for how we left things the last time. I, I'm so sorry about that. I feel just awful about it. It's okay, Morgan. And I'm doing fine, thank you. Please, have a seat. I sit on the cold stone bench opposite Morgan at the other side of the table. My jacket barely keeping me warm enough as I place my hands on the edge of the table. The chessboard itself etched right into it. I ran my fingers over the grooves cut into the table. The black and white pieces sit perfectly lined up, facing each other. Do you know how to play? No, not really. But my mother tried to teach me. She said it was something my father used to play a lot of, and I could stand to be a little bit more like him. I watch my words, looking for any signs or triggers. Yeah, I've never been good at it either. It's one that I know the basics to, but anyone with a bit of strategy would win against me pretty quick, you know? Yes, it's all about strategy. I notice Morgan knocks over his own king. You mentioned your father used to play. Where is he now? He's dead. I'm sorry, Morgan, I didn't... No harm. He stands the king back up. No need to be. Heart attack when I was a child. I barely remember him. I do remember his voice, though. That tone that he used to use. And it was always just the one tone anger. He aggressively knocks over the king again and holds the night piece white-knuckled in his fingertips. He stares at the king and looks up at me. I think you can relate, right, doctor? He seems to know so much. I... You know how families can be. I actually never knew my parents. I grew up with my aunt in Colorado. I lived with her up until my decision to move here. I'm sorry to hear that. That's very sad. It was difficult, but ultimately led me down the path of helping others. My aunt also ran a horse stable, 
I have a deep love for horses, thanks to the time I spent there. Horses were almost a career decision. I know she wanted me to stay, but I needed to find more, you know. I noticed Morgan had moved a pawn forward as far as it could go, and I moved one of mine right up against his. So at least her story has a happy ending. And if yours does, then maybe everyone else could have one too. Well, what do we know about life? Stories evolve, people change for better or for worse. But the story itself is never really over. You know, they say at the end of the game, both the king and the pawn end up in the same box. That could be taken morbidly, but it does have a positive edge. Basically, you make your story, and comparing it to others isn't as important if we all end up in the same place. The story is in the journey. The ending is only a small part. He moves his queen up and to the right side of the board, and I move my king up one row lined up with my pawns, having no idea if the move is even legal. Can't stand it sometimes. What can't you stand, Morgan? The story of mine. He moves his queen in from the right and snatches my first pawn. Check. I thought you didn't know how to play. He shoots me a smirk that looks oh so familiar. Little imaginary horns sprouting from his head. Well, here's what you can ask yourself. Play your move, Doctor. You don't have anywhere to go. There was a slight hum in the air. Like seconds before an explosion. I look down at the board and know enough to tell he has me trapped. His words send a chill down my spine, sounding like they reach past this chess game. Something in Morgan's face. I look up and see the look of a cat with his claws on my tail. Noticing this switch in Morgan, I decide to show that I have claws too. I lean in, look him dead in the eye. He sits up, not expecting this reaction. Morgan, who are you? His left eye twitches and quickly blinks away, looking to the left and then right. Small beads of tears pearl on his lashes as he looks up to the sky and then back at me. A drop slips through and runs down his cheek. He takes a long, deep breath and pauses before he answers me. I'll show you. After a slight nod, I look back down at the board. I move my king up, and he instantly snatches it from me before I can place the piece. His eyes piercing into me with extreme intensity. But then his brow relaxes. The bottom lid to his eyes soften, and he wipes away his tears. He speaks softly, his voice shaking. I'm sorry, doctor. Is this... The story isn't over, is it? No, Morgan. Not yet. I show him a slight smile. A genuine smile, telling him it's okay. A heavy drop of rain taps on the table. The truth is... You know me, Doctor. What do you mean? You know me. You know my mother. You've seen us before. My pulse picks up, trying to figure out where this thought is going. With other people, we're not unusual, right? 
Well, unusual, yes, but a lost cause? Not a chance. Another heavy raindrop slaps into the center of a square on the table, followed quickly by another heavy drop that falls right onto the back of my hand. Well, the rain looks to be cutting our time today short, Doctor. I, I wanted to tell you something. Morgan opens his mouth, but stops and looks past me as I hear another set of voices behind me. A ways away, but their voices and footsteps grow closer. Who are they? What, those people? I think they're just coming over here. Do, do you know them? I, They can't come over here. I need to go. Morgan, what's wrong? I don't know them. Let me ask them for privacy. It's okay. The footsteps step into the bushes into this previously private area. A young woman and a young man with smiles beaming all of a sudden look confused. Oh, hello. Can we help you? Confused, I respond. Oh no, we're okay. Thanks. I turn around to see that Morgan has vanished. To my left, a red balloon is tied with a string onto the bench. I look up as the balloon wobbles in the air above me. Oh, okay. We thought maybe you were an early guest. We're having an event inside the building over there. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was... I was just talking with someone. Oh, okay. No problem at all. Just with this weather, we need to make sure people know where to go. You mind if I grab this? Oh, no, of course not. I'll get out of your way. As I stand up, she grabs the string of the balloon and snips it from the seat. How did I not notice that there? Where did Morgan go so quickly? The couple takes the balloon and moves on to their event, leaving me very confused in this moment. I look down to see all the pieces, but one pawn have disappeared from the board. I take it and leave the garden. If I need to explain, this is what I call self-prescribed self-care. This isn't just mine. This is therapy. <laughs> I take my glass and walk toward the living room, passing the front. <gasps> oh, God! My body clenches like I noticed a bus speeding toward me. A swift breeze blows past me, bringing my attention to the front door to my right and tossing my hair around as it moves. I can hear the storm growing more chaotic as the night progresses. Having enough of this day and these feelings, I rush to the door. Cold breeze blowing underneath the door, biting my bare feet as I approach it. I get my hand on the doorknob and start to pull when... <gasps> Keeping my hand on the doorknob, my fingers frozen with fear. Somehow my body decides to move against my brain's orders. I move my body closer to the door to see if I can hear anyone. Oh, the feeling of ice-cold air freezing me as my hand moves the surface of the door. I lean in with my ear, trying to hear anything at all. Muffled raindrops. I start to back away when... Oh my god! Outside of faint Dr. familiar voice. Dr. I like to answer back. 
Morgan? Morgan's voice screaming and crying in pain. I run to the door. I grab the door that is now extremely hot. The pain instantly radiates up my arm as I swing the door wide open. Morgan! I step out into the rain and look around. An empty yard sits in front of me. I run down the dirt path that is now partially flooded to find no one. Confused, I yell out. Morgan! Left in complete shock, my hand pulses from pain as I realize my palm is burnt badly. I also notice that I'm still standing in the middle of this storm, sinking into the mud that was once my flower patch. My mind hurts, trying to rationalize what is happening. I start to take a step back toward the front door and nearly trip over something at my feet. A large brown envelope addressed to me in a sloppy cursive. I quickly pick up the envelope as the rain soaks through it and head back inside. I stop at the door, look back outside to see my dark, muddy front yard empty. Was Morgan here or, or am I losing it? The doorknob sizzles as the last bit of water steams off of it.